Hello, my babies, and welcome once again to Poker in the Airs. I'm Uncle Daddy. I'm Joe Stapleton. Him? He's my work wife. He's James Hardigan. Happy Ugandan National Tree Planting Day, Joe. Ugandan be planting me. No, that doesn't work. Okay, coming up on today's <laughs> show, how would you guys feel if this week we decided to talk about some poker? I'm all about it. People are into it, really. For Poker in the Airs, we're going to do something different. Talk a little poker this week. Let's see. Let's start with the least important thing. The commentator showdown went down last Friday, and it was a lot of fun, especially for me, but I think for everyone else, and maybe even for the audience. We're going to talk about it. We just crowned a Sunday Million Anniversary Champion to the tune of $1.5 million. Heck of a final day. Heck of a final table. Heck of a shorthanded Vanessa Cade, a.k.a. Niffler, someone we know quite well, was the winner of said event and the $1.5 million that went with it. Big old recap coming up. Yeah, that was one of the best streams I think we've done in the last 12 months. It was certainly the most fun to watch. What an amazing result. Looking forward to chopping it up, as they say. One of the most memorable for me, and not just because it happened yesterday. I think I will actually <laughs> remember this one beyond <laughs> the next couple of weeks. Uh, and I played some live poker last week. Uh, we're going to talk about a few of the hands and the safety precautions and how deep or undeep I went in the event. Back by popular demand, we will run a mock once again. Yeah, I have to say, this week's question is actually quite intense and requires a genuine answer rather than a flippant response. Is that? I thought the bit was flippant responses. Are we giving a genuine answer this week? I, I kind of feel that, you know, if people are asking detailed questions, they deserve something more meaningful. I don't know. I'll figure it out in the moment. Uh, and on Superfan versus Stapes, it is Isaac Kiner on the show challenging me on the subject of Fish, the band. Paul Patrick, who is tasked with creating this quiz. You have, I mean, you have no idea how stupid this band is. It's not like, it's not like war stupid where like, that's the point is like how stupid they are. It, anyway, we're, we're going to talk more about fish later on in the show. I do want to mention that Isaac is a founding member. If you're watching the video version of this podcast and wearing my club quarantine hat right now, uh, he's a founding member of my very first Poker Stars home game club during quarantine, which they aptly called themselves Club Quarantine. Uh, Isaac's dad, Ron, runs the club. Uh, it is such a nice, welcome environment of a bunch of nerdy film people and artists. And there's a couple of people in the medical field. There's some EMTs, some first, first response. It is such a fun club, and I'm so glad. And today, I'm so glad to be a part of it. And today is the one-year anniversary wow. of Club Quarantine. So I just want to give a quick shout-out to everyone in the club. Isaac will be here representing everyone as this week's superfan, and I expect he is going to shellack me in his knowledge of fish because I think they're gross. I know we're mainly going to focus on poker this week, Joe, but we have to have the obligatory talk about TV and movies. How many of the 17 hours of Zack Snyder's Justice League have you had a chance to watch yet? 
I didn't. I didn't watch any because, um, as you know, I live with my girlfriend, my roommate, and my girlfriend is a willing participant in all of the dumb shit that I want to watch. My roommate is annoying and will ruin stuff if he doesn't like it. And there's just no way that he was going to sit through any section of Justice League. And I didn't want it ruined for me. Uh, so I haven't Joe, started it yet. I've got the perfect strategy for you. You say to your roommate, yeah. it's a race like watching Justice League or being handed an eviction notice. That's <laughs> how you present it as a fait accompli. Um, I am three parts into it. So I think I mentioned that originally this was going to be presented on HBO Max as a miniseries, right? In four yeah. or six parts. It has been presented as a full movie, but it is actually partitioned with like title cards, part one, two, three. So I'm three parts into it, about one hour 50 in, so almost halfway. And look, it's more watchable than the theatrical cut. It's better than the yeah. Joss Whedon movie. But yes, it takes its time. Yes, it's incredibly pretentious. It's it's Zack Snyder to the max with the use of slow-mo and how seriously it takes itself. But it's not unenjoyable. It's not unwatchable. Um, and at least the story makes sense. Something I can't really say of the theatrical oh, cut. Bear that's in mind, good. It's about three years since I saw it, and I kind of was just like, oh, I'll watch this to the end, but I don't really care. I, I don't think I really want the answer to this, but just just for argument's sake, I did start watching the original Justice League a couple of years ago, and I got about 20 minutes into it before right. turning it off. Do I have to watch the first one no. to have some... Okay. No, have, I don't think To be able do. to say how much better this one is? I mean, if you want to do a comparison, yes, you do. But if you just want to watch a director's definitive version of a movie, look, this is not going to compare to the better Marvel movies. Um, it still has all the problems that the DC movies have. But How does it compare to the worst Marvel movies? Still, still worse, right? Uh, it's just very different tonally, but at least the advantage it has over the theatrical cut is at least the tone is consistent. The problem you had with the two-hour movie that came out what was it, late 2017 or early 2018, is that it was a mix of Zack Snyder and Joss Whedon, who are so different in their approach to making yeah. superhero movies. And at least this is very much one single person's vision. Um, uh, on a scale of one to five suicide squads, how many would you give it so far? Oh, my God. I mean, you know, that's that's easier. It's it's it's, it's infinitely, infinitely okay, better than, than Suicide All right, Squad. Shifting, shifting to, to, to comic universes, have you watched The Hawk and the Winter Man yet? I haven't yet. I haven't yet. Okay. I'm still Isn't so that pissed weird? off. I'm Isn't still that weird? So exactly. Pissed off I'm in WandaVision. no rush. Yeah. I'm in absolutely no rush to jump into The Hawk and the Winter Man because I'm like still pissed off about WandaVision. Isn't that strange, right? Yeah, yeah. All right, so the one thing I did get my roommate to sit down and watch, and you know what? I didn't mind it. We end up watching a lot of documentaries um, when it's the three of us on the weekends because it's the kind of thing where, like, if people talk over them a little bit, I don't mind as much, and it's up for, like, more discussion, right? Like, a documentary is something you kind of, like, discuss with the people you're watching. So um, we watched a movie called The Last Blockbuster, which is on Netflix. Yeah, and. I I, I went, someone tipped me off to this, and I, I'm I'm worried this might be one of those things that's only on Netflix in the U.S. But maybe I need to search for it again. But it sounds interesting. I, think, I like the idea of it. 
I would be surprised if it wasn't on there, but I, it makes sense that they wouldn't spend a lot of algorithm space talking about like a, the American video store yeah. culture in the 80s and 90s. Um, as James, I know that you were super into videos. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and that was like a big hobby of yours was tracking down certain things. I think you'll really like it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, look, I, I remember cute. very clearly, you know, having grown up through the 80s and early 90s, the way that it changed, that it went from all of these local high street stores that, that were completely wiped out by Blockbuster coming to the UK and establishing their superstores and having, you know, the, the pretty much 100% share of the market and then vanishing almost overnight. Um, you know, obviously embracing DVD, embracing Blu-ray, and then the moment that stuff started moving online, the moment that streaming started, just not being able to keep up and not really ever finding a place in the market. Yeah, well, they, they do a good job of explaining some of the misconceptions about that, that part of their history. Uh, but what's great about it is that for those of us, you know, we all love nostalgia. It tells the tale of all that stuff that you already know, but it's like kind of fun hearing about yeah, it yeah. anyway. Yeah. Um, the real reason I did not watch Justice League is because right after the last blockbuster, we started watching something which you had talked about a long time ago. Like, yes. it feels feels like months ago. But as a very uh, susceptible to marketing person, they just finally started putting it on my homepage of my Apple TV and of Amazon. Uh, zero, zero, zero popped up. Yep. And I said, this is supposed to be good. And with no fight or argument or debate, <clears throat> we just put it on, which is very rare. Um, I ended up liking it so much that between Sunday and this podcast, I watched all of it. That's I impressive because I, all eight I, hours of it. I think I said before when talking about the show, it's brutal in places and it's quite heavy going in places. And it's not something I think you can easily binge. We did binge it. And <clears throat> yeah, some of it was quite violent and quite brutal. Um, I didn't feel like it was so like it, they, like it was super gratuitous. Um, and, and I, I look away at things. I don't have a problem with that. Like, I just put my hand up in front of my face during certain scenes. I found it to be so compelling and so interesting. Very ridiculous at parts. A little bit um, farcical in the sort of ride they take you on. But the... I don't know what this show costs to make because it is beautiful. And it is in some... It's like a James... I think it's called 000 because it's 007 without 007. Like, it's all of the locations... All of the bad guys, all of these sorts of moving parts of this big worldwide thing, um, and it just doesn't really have a hero in it. You um, know why it's called zero zero zero, right? I had a my guess was that it's that because it's a zero sum game. No, it's a nickname for cocaine because zero 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 is the purest type of flower you can get, which resembles cocaine physically. You so know you how like, you um you know like pizza you know flour is zero zero, for example. Oh, I did not know that. Yeah. Oh, oh, flour, as in F L O U R. Yes. I was like, cocaine comes from a flower. <laughs> I have no idea. Um, we. I don't know if you remember the theme song to the show, but every time it comes on, uh, my girlfriend will go, cocaine, cocaine, <laughs> cocaine. She does your little thing where she you add lyrics to every, but it's it's just the lyric cocaine. My over and least over again. favorite part of the show was actually the opening credits, which I actually thought didn't fit with the style of the rest of the show and were a little bit like Game of Thrones ripoff. Um, 
how good is the ending? How good is the final scene slash shot? The ending is very good. Um, it, it is, again, it's like, if they weren't so good at it, it would be silly. Like, you would be, like, it is outrageous. Um, but it they're just so adept at pulling it off and making it look beautiful and artistic that it, they just about get away with it. Um, I don't want to talk too much more about the actual plot no. of it. I don't want to ruin it for anybody, but it is, it is, it is an eight-hour-long movie that is worth it. It, it. It's really, really fun and cool and um, and and compelling in many ways. Yeah, uh, there is something else, by the way, that we should recommend people watch. If you didn't <laughs> tune in on Friday night to the live stream of the Commentator Showdown, this show is available as a vod. So bearing in mind, Joe, that this was a two-hour game and therefore a two-hour stream, I think it's almost perfect as something that you can watch after the event. Uh, I do think it probably works as something beyond the live experience of when it happened on Friday. But also, I'd like to think that it did work as a live experience for everyone who tuned in, even though the audience interaction, I guess, was a little bit tougher because we were on a 10-minute delay. Yeah, I I was actually surprised. Look, as someone who is who is a performer for a living and quite vain, I did have one eye on the chat uh, for a lot of this. I didn't want it to distract from the job we had to do, but of course, I was curious as to how it was being received, and it seemed much better received than I was even hoping. To yeah. be honest, all I wanted was like, hey, it, look, when you, it's like the dog that catches the car, right? When I say things like, oh, be nice to play sometimes, I think if I was at the table, I could be entertaining. And then they go, here you go. Here's your opportunity. Now you got to put up, right? Now you got to put up. You actually have to deliver on the thing you promised. And just to peel back the curtain a little bit, when we had our like first run through this or whatever, our boss expressed some concerns about like, hey, I want to make sure that this is good. And I was like, it'll be fine. We're good. And she was like, you don't understand. We do the best poker shows in the world, this has to be one of the best poker shows in the world. And she got she got me fired up a little bit. Not in a bad way, but like I was like I was concerned along with her. Yeah, I think there's that danger that you're having a good time at the table, but it's that classic party where not everyone's invited but get to look from the outside in. And what yeah. you don't want is the six people playing in the game to be having a whale of a time, but the audience think, well, this is not fun. So it has to be good for the players and for the audience. I'd like to think that it was, and I agree with you, Joe, the feedback was pretty much universally positive. So thank you to everyone who said nice things. And of course, logistically, it was quite hard to ensure that our feed was delayed, that effectively you were seeing and hearing us 10 minutes after the event, but what you were seeing on screen as far as the poker was concerned was live, right? Because it was the card replayer, which doesn't populate until 10 minutes after the hands have been played. So you're marrying two different time zones yeah. into the stream. With Again, no one bridging the gap the way we normally would be. Yeah, and, and that seemed to work. There is one amusing anecdote from behind the scenes because when we went into this inevitable comparisons with hank's home game right which is also a similar game format the the almost cash game format two hours in length unlimited rebuys and and being six Huge max. diva personalities yeah and being about the, <laughs> the the conversation between the players and one of the things i said jokingly is 
at least we won't have any issues here with having to show people how to download and use the PokerStar software. Because I know that all <laughs> the six people in this game know our software back to front because it's either me or Joe or it's people who play professionally. With literally minutes before this game started, a certain Sam Grafton says, should I be seeing something? And like, what do you mean, Sam? Well, like, like a table or something. It's like, well, well, you've got to log into PokerStars, Sam. Obviously, you know, we're playing on Stars. Oh, I've got it installed on my new computer. This was like the first time he had ever heard of the software PokerStars. I don't know what the fuck happened, <laughs> but he just assumed software would magically appear in front of him. Like, what? what is he doing? So with literally seconds to spare, realistically minutes to spare sam managed to get the stars client installed and was able to play and this is the thing going into this we were at such a disadvantage because not only are we playing against very accomplished poker players players who've racked up a lot of solid online results we also created a format where they have even more of an advantage joe where we're playing deep stack the whole time as nick walsh said i thought this was going to be a turbo sit and go and at least i've had i'd have an edge there but no nope. there was no like short stacking there was no kind of like you know document blinds get big and you just have to go for it and ver let variants take over this was absolutely shark heavy poker yeah um which once again proves my point of whoever runs the hottest wins and joe you ran hot at the start then you didn't run so hot because there was that awful calamity where i got it in with ace jack against your jacks and there was an ace on the desk, but then you ran red hot and you had such a ridiculous advantage over the rest of the table, even with like 40, 30 minutes to go. We knew you were going to win the game, but you still weren't happy. There was, hold on, we can get to that. I will address that momentarily. There was a moment where Griffin uh, turned a set of eights against my pair of tens, which was an overpair to the board, and he doubled through me. And then there was a chance at that point, like if he had doubled through me again or if someone else did, there was a chance that maybe somebody else could have. But that didn't last very long. I did pick up a couple more pots after that. Um, look, it's not that I wasn't happy. It's just that I I knew it. I called it. I said, and I'm very glad, by the way, first of all, any cha charities were going to benefit regardless, right? Yes, Which correct. is great. It's a free roll for charities. I wasn't risking anything. But I knew that when I stood to gain nothing financially or even lose anything financially, that I was going to run the way other people do when they're playing against me, when there's something on the line. Now, I will say this, and I wasn't recognizing this enough in the moment because I'm playing a character too, right? Don't get me wrong. We're doing a show. You're doing your thing, hammering on me a little bit more than you probably would have in real life. I'm playing it up a little bit more than I would ever. So, and I didn't recognize this, which is true, is that, yes, it does mean something to me to have won, even though I did not, even charity aside, right? Yeah. It, it's nice to have won just to, for that nice feeling, but also it it's nice to prove that at least given the opportunity to win some all-ins that I didn't squander it and that I at least know enough about the game of poker to win when I am running well. Yeah. Yeah. Right. There's still that. There's still that. And there were a couple of spots where I genuinely played things pretty well. Yes, of course, it's much easier 
when you have hands, but like I snapped off like a triple barrel bluff from Nick um, that I actually felt bad about because um, I because I just insta called him on the river and he had a total air ball um, and I had something like second pair, but so I I was happy. I just wish that that the that the my EV whatever you want to call it my run good my variance would be a little bit more evenly distributed. So I could maybe win some 70-30s, some 80-20s in the rest of my life and not have it all compact into this one tournament in which I was going. I was guaranteed to win zero. Okay. Um, obviously, there were many highlights that we can pick out. There was me accidentally revealing my whole cards by being a little bit that was over-eager awesome. with the sevens meme. There that was, was right in the beginning, by the way, guys. If you guys if you guys uh, tune in and watch it, you don't have to wait long for that. That's like in the first orbit. What's so stupid is I even said at the start that I was worried about revealing my hand, and I was so careful not to say anything, and then I think <laughs> clicking a button is somehow not going to do the same thing. Um, there was Griffin getting a little bit shady and a little bit angle-shooty with his accidental click, which induced from Maria. Griffin. Uh, but my personal highlight was during one of the forfeits, because we had a situation where if you rebought, even though it didn't cost you anything, you did have to carry out a forfeit. And uh, poor, poor Nick had to put on these cyberpunk glasses, which I just thought would mean that kind of like he had to look through these red lenses. I didn't realize that they were like kaleidoscopes and actually make everything kind of go upside down and back to front and made it almost <laughs> impossible for him to make out cards, suits, pot size, betting action. And yet Nick found himself in a really tricky spot against Sam Grafton. And even though he couldn't see any of the cards properly and was feeling slightly nauseous because of these glasses, he still managed to make a hero call on the river and pick off Sam Grafton's bluff. That, for me, was my personal highlight of the game. Yeah, Sam losing all those pots was a personal highlight. Hey, do you know where <laughs> I can? Do you know where I can get one of those, uh, uh, some of those goggles? I think that would be a great excuse if I accidentally kissed some other girl at a party sometime. Be like, baby, I couldn't tell who it was. I couldn't see anything. I thought it was you. Everything's upside down, baby. Joe, as you know from all our years working on the sketches, if it's a prop that our department has sourced, chances are it's available on the biggest online retailer on the world with next day delivery available and costs less than 10 quid. Yes, I agree. It's not um, going to be that hard to track down. <laughs> I should point out, by the way, that I was actually worse than nauseous. I was actually sick physically minutes before we went to air. I'm pinpointing some you falafel. You puked before I, we went on the air. I, I, and it wasn't nerves or stress. I right. pinpointed some bad falafel, which had probably been in the fridge one too many days. And you know when you think if there's no meat in it, it'll be fine? Uh-uh. And... I was sick before and afterwards, and I didn't feel 100%. But you know what? The great thing about being live on the internet is it's a distraction, and it takes your mind off your stomach. But I think that, combined with the pressures of hosting the stream and my natural cautious play, meant I didn't play <laughs> particularly well. However, again, to all my critics, I will point out that I was one of three players who was profitable in the game, the others being Joe and Griffin. Um, so... If you're going to play results, it's a win. You would, hey, you would have finished in second place if Griffin didn't suck out on me. So uh, that's it's true. Definitely a win. Unfortunately, it also proves nothing, right? Like if you and I come out on top, no one would ever be like, "That's because Joe and James know what they're doing." Because 
Joe and James just had an exceptionally lucky day. Unfortunately, James, by the way, I can't believe you didn't use. Remember this whole line? I ate some bad chickpeas yesterday and boy, do I fall off all. <laughs> Damn it. Missed opportunity. Missed <laughs> opportunity. Um, but look, you can mock me for playing tens plus Sam Grafton, but tight is right, buddy, because playing premium hands did not go against me in this game. Anyway, enough about the commentator showdown because there was a very serious poker game that was played over the weekend and over the subsequent 48 hours. And that was the 15th anniversary edition of the Sunday Million, an event that we had the honor of streaming the late stages of on Tuesday. And this had a pretty bold and aggressive guarantee, Joe, of $12.5 million. And Registration was open for a full 24 hours before it started to give us the best chance of hitting that guarantee, but it exceeded it. Almost 70,000 total entries, a prize pool of nearly $14 million in the end. And we knew coming into this that it was also guaranteed that first and second would be a million plus. And actually, when registration closed at the start of day two, which was Monday evening, we saw that it was just over a milli for second and 1.5 million for the winner. And the whole time, even from when there were 12,000 players left in this thing, I thought there is no way this plays out for the advertised payouts. I was 90 to 95% sure that whether it was four-handed, three-handed or heads up, we were going to see a deal. And we said that numerous times on the stream on Tuesday night. I think that even though there was no deal, spoiler alert, uh, even though there was n there was no deal, if we were going to do like the Doctor Strange, like I've figured out all 12 million different ways this could play out, I think the number of ways it plays out where there are no deal are so infrequent in that number, but it just kept happening such that a really a deal wouldn't have been the right play uh, for 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 some of the players involved and those players were oftentimes different players, uh, but things kept changing and moving and flowing in, in crazy ways, crazy, yeah. unexpected ways. You know, James, you know, I'm jaded. You know, a lot of times I sit there and I go, that's ah, a poker tournament. This happens that bop, bop, bop poker tournaments still always find a way to surprise us the way they play out, the way they can't be predicted. This was another one um, that, even if you were going to predict what's a way this plays out that doesn't require a deal, it wouldn't have been what happened. It no. was just the, the chip discrepancy and who had the lead versus who didn't kept changing hands. The short stacks, um, it was incredibly entertaining to watch. And we had, you know, oftentimes we're focusing on the the game of uh, this hand being played against this player or these players in the hand. But the game of what is going on in the dynamic of this overall tournament with the added storyline of both the folks who finished in first and second place being incredibly interesting. This kept me on the edge of my seat the entire time. Yeah. And if you're thinking about going back and watching the replay, I do recommend it because it's not a super long one. No, absolutely. It's I think the whole thing was less than five hours, and that was playing down from 65 to a winner. And the final table itself was a very manageable duration. But you're right, Joe. The whole day was entertaining. It had that usual fast pace at the start where we saw a flurry of eliminations, some interesting stack consolidation. And as we got to the final table, we had one player 
and it was the eventual runner-up, uh, Talabenis from Poland, who, and again, I might be exaggerating here, but at one point it felt like they had 80% of the chips in play at the shorthanded final table. And it looked like there was no, Still nothing Still wanted else. a deal, by the way. Yeah. Still wanted to deal, but the short stack, the player with 10 big blinds, didn't even respond, did not even engage in conversation, certainly didn't have the box ticked. And so this thing just played out for all the marbles. And Talabenes lost that chip lead. Talabenes at one point then became the super short stack, but then by virtue of a ridiculous flip between the Insanely. two big stacks, ladders Insane. up to second place, gets the million. And I think the story that, a lot of people were thrilled to see. And look, Vanessa Cade is a streamer, has a big following, has a big fan base. Also, she's come onto a lot of people's radars in the last nine months due to various events. A lot of people thrilled to see her close this out. She had 100% of her own action, as she declared on Twitter, going into the final day. And she walked away with the full $1.5 million first prize. Well, thrilled to let you know that we are joined right now by the winner of one of the biggest online MTTs in history, Vanessa Cade, Sunday Million Anniversary Special Edition Champion. Thank you for joining us. Well, thank you so much for having me. Has it uh, sunk in yet? Yeah. Um, no, none of this feels real. <laughs> <laughs> we know that there is a... There is a uh, be, there is a hold card, hold card debate. It, do you feel the last 24 hours have been a whirlwind or a whirlwind? Uh, a whirlwind. <laughs> I mean, you can almost sense the combination of jubilation and exhaustion. And one of the things I always have to remember when we come in at the late stages and we're following day three of this event where you're playing down from 65 to a winner, you've already played two full days. You've already played the better part of 18 hours of poker. And I guess to begin at the beginning, how hard is it to maintain that focus over these long, exhausting days as you're seeing that field of 70,000 whittle down? Um, I mean, I think as it gets like more towards the end, like you're just driven to focus even more. I, I feel like almost my focus is probably less in the beginning where like, Maybe I'm playing multiple games. Like I think when I first started the Sunday Million, I literally had like 11 tables of just various games for Sunday. And then um, day two, I even had like a game on the side just to keep me like from getting too nervous and like almost focusing too much on it. And then the last day, obviously, like I just that was it. I just had this game. I had the other table up on on uh, my desktop and stuff. And we got down to the last two tables and like just. As, as focused, I think, as I have ever been in a poker game yeah. and maybe will ever be. <laughs> How is that possible to be that focused? Like, isn't your mind racing with all of the implications that will go along with, with putting away a tournament this big? How do you stay focused? How do you not think about that? I mean, I think every time I make a decision, I would just like really was double and triple checking. Like, is this what I want to do? Once I click the button, am I fine with this decision? Like I am basically accepting whatever plays out after I click this and then like click the button and you know, that's it. It's out of your control. Yeah. We noticed that you, uh, you flipped your stream on afterward. Do you think things might've gone significantly differently? Had you been streaming this from, let's say the final day of this event? 
It's so hard to tell. Uh, originally, I was planning on streaming um, day two. Uh, I said, I think somewhere either on Twitter or Facebook or something, if we got deep enough that I would stream it. And then the last Fire. level of the second day, I know I feel bad. <laughs> <laughs> like I really struggled with it. I The last, the last um, level of the second day, I was just like so nervous. I, I was like worried I was going to make a really costly mistake. And then I'm trying to imagine streaming on top of it and like wanting to engage with Chad and it's probably just like a bad idea. And I like, so wasn't sure because like, obviously like what, what a moment to be able to stream. Yeah. And I'm like, how can I, how can I pass that up? But also if I make a mistake because I'm streaming and it costs me like half a million dollars, like how do you reconcile that? Like it's that, <laughs> with, with making that decision. It's that fear that you end up doing two things badly, right? You're not doing a particularly entertaining stream. Plus you're not playing kind of like your A game. And so you end up doing right. the reverse of what you think you should be doing, which is like most streamers would play poker and then stop when the game's over. Whereas you didn't stream and then you started when the game had finished. Uh, right. How was, how was your post match stream? Um, I remember about the first hour and a half of it. <laughs> there's, still like, there's still like empty bottles of alcohol sitting on the ground right here. <laughs> but it was, was that? It was I saw that photo. I saw that photo on Instagram. Was that really just a party of one? Because if so, like you did some damage. You really went for it. Look, to be fair, those bottles started out like a fifth full, so we were just okay. toasting off like almost empty bottles. <laughs> Wow. Plus, uh, I mean, it would have been hard to do all that streaming and be on the treadmill at the same time, right? Did that ever happen? Um, like the treadmill streaming was definitely a thing. Yeah, not recently, though. I was going to say this, 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 I can understand where you just want to be kind of like 100% focused on the game. Now on the subject of streams, we were obviously doing our cards up coverage on a 30 minute delay. You were on the feature table for a huge chunk of that stream. And obviously you were at the final table the whole time. Did you have that on just for reference to see hands 30 minutes after they've been played? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I like double checked early on. I assumed for some reason it wouldn't be cards up and then I thought I'd just go look anyway, and then sure enough, they were there. So, I mean, I feel like it's obviously valuable information to have. I just had it up, like, on the side. Um, I had, like, the the two, the two first, my main table, the other table, and, like, the stream sitting there, um, and just trying to, like, watch all three, basically, as much as possible. And over the course of that day, you came into the final day, I think, 12th, on the leaderboard and over the course of that day you kind of moved up and down and there were various points where you were super short you dropped below the 10 big blind mark at various points i mean i'm interested in psychologically how you approach that is it a case of now i'm focused on laddering now i've got nothing to lose or is it kind of like i can still come back i can still be a contender um, I, all I was trying to do is just make one decision at a time and make the best choice I could. Like anything's possible. It's poker, right? I mean, we went into that table pretty short. We were so short on like fumes, um, you know, once or twice and like managed to find a way back to a win. But it was like a weird thing where um, I don't know how to explain, but like I had kind of a feeling like the day before that, like this tournament was just ours. Um, and it was like a weird thing to kind of like reconcile for myself when I was then sitting at the final table and like, we're really short. I'm like, well, maybe like, maybe that feeling's just not right. And like, I'm, you know, like I don't have any control over this, so I'm just going to try to do the best we can and to like have it play out the way it did is just like, it's still not real to me. It's like unreal. <laughs> yeah. And uh, we, uh, we have ahead, to James. reference 
we have to reference the deal that never was. Because we were slightly shocked. Well, I was shocked on two fronts. Number one, that no deal got done when you considered the sums of money on offer and the, the jumps in the prizes. But secondly, Talabenis, when they had like what seemed like 80% of the chips in play, were openly saying, we can look at the numbers. And yet, Pancho is like, not even acknowledging, not even responding. And so, it just played out. Yeah, were you as surprised by that as we were that Poncho just never ticked the box, never wait, never even weighed in from what I can tell. Maybe you guys maybe you saw something and we missed it, but I didn't even see any reply. I mean, I had heard that he was like a really high stakes player and so maybe these jumps for him aren't as like like staggering as they are for the rest of us. I don't really know. I don't know if that's true. Um, and if that's the case, and like maybe he thinks that there's like a fear factor for the other two or three of us in both of those cases that he can take advantage of. He's obviously a very aggressive player um, and maybe just relying on being able to like steal a bunch of spots and thought he had a, you know, better than average chance in that spot. And if that's the case and you're like always playing nosebleeds, I can understand like taking a shot at it. But also the jumps are so high and we've just beat like almost 69,000 players. Like, yeah. You get second instead of first for like a half a million difference is just like huge. Like I, I think generally the smart play would try to be to like reduce the variance a little bit. But I mean, as it played out, I'm glad that didn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, while we're talking about Pancho, I'm going to assume that that is probably the biggest race you've ever found yourself in. The biggest coin flip <laughs> that you've ever played. Yeah. Um, man, after that hand, I, I've just said like repeatedly, I can never ever complain about losing a flip ever again in my life. Like that was, it was effectively a $1 million flip. Insane. Yeah. (laughs) Let's thinking about that. It's just like, like it blows my mind. Let's talk about the amount of money that uh, just changed hands here. $1.5 million. James and I have covered tons of poker tournaments. I've put a microphone in the face of lots of people who have just won a million dollars. Um, and many times they have not exactly won a million dollars because they've sold off big pieces of themselves. So it ends up being a little bit life cha- li- less life changing. And it ends up being that um, that for them, they play for these amounts of money regularly. Now, I see you. Um, you post a lot of your results online. It doesn't seem like that big of a thing for you to make a final table, to have a five figure score. They seem to have pretty regularly. This is still life changing money. Will this change your life? Um. I mean, yeah, I feel like there's no way for this not to change my life. But at the same time, like I'm not I'm not like very materialistic. I'm not going to go buy a bunch of toys or anything like that. But this will give me freedom, basically. Like that's what I get from this. Like I don't if I if I don't mess this up, basically for the rest of my life, I don't have to do a single other thing (laughs) that I don't want to do. And like that hasn't sunk in yet like that that level of freedom is like what I've wanted my entire life. It's like, you know, what, what most people want. It's like an incredible dream that still like whatever we are 48 hours into it doesn't seem like, like it's possible yet. Well, I've noticed for the last year or so that you've lived a bit of a nomadic lifestyle that you've been playing online poker from various places where you can do that. Do you think this will, lead to more of that or a more of an anchored sort of um, spot for you? Less, less nom- nomadicism ism. 
Um, I have a diabetic cat that I love and he needs shots twice a day. And so if I didn't have him, I think um, that I probably wouldn't have this home base. Like I would just rent it out and I would go spend two to three months at a time in different cities, like just for several years, I think, until I saw a good chunk of the world. Um, and that's still definitely some, some version of that is definitely a possibility for me. I think like there will be travel in my future if I can help it. Yeah. While we're talking about furry creatures, if your objective, Vanessa, is to tilt people by calling yourself Niffler while having an avatar of a mogwai, it's working. <laughs> that really bugs James oh, a lot. He does not like hilarious. genre crossing. No, no, it's crossing the streams as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> it's a horrified gizmo. <laughs> it is a horrified gizmo. But... I just saw this image and I love it. Like <laughs> it, is, it is a horrified it's gizmo. I started, hilarious. when I stared at it long enough, I eventually started thinking like, oh, maybe this is also orgasm gizmo. And I was like, no, we shouldn't be having this thought about gizmo. I this mean, is it not... is now. <laughs> Yeah, try to get that thought out of your head now. As you're saying this, I have like one of the last hands, like the hand history viewer on PokerStars up and I can see the little avatar and he's looking straight up at the board. Like, (laughs) (laughs) I feel like that's exactly what it is. Obviously, winning a huge event like this, winning a Sunday million anniversary, which only comes around once a year and winning $1.5 million is awesome. I guess with everything that's happened in the last few months, the support and messages from the poker community, not quite as meaningful as winning $1.5 million, but still great, right? Actually, I was just saying this earlier. Um, um, I... I talk with Ape Styles a fair bit, who's another streamer, and um, I was telling him that for me, like having literally almost, I think, a thousand DMs right now and thousands of messages on multiple posts, just like, and like almost all of them are positive. Like, I have never in my life experienced anything even remotely close to the outpouring of positivity that I've seen here, and just like, just people just being like, so yeah, I don't know, positive and like loving and yeah. caring, and just like saying good things. And like, I'm so glad this happened for you. Like everybody's excited. Um, and there's almost no negative comments. And it like, that has been like, like emotionally almost as significant as like winning the money, I think. That's awesome. And we can the money testify. Will last, the money will last longer than that. <laughs> uh, Joe and I Look, can testify. Twitter are forever. It's fine. <laughs> there was so much support for you on Tuesday night um, to the point where if we just took the decision just for a minute to see how the players at the other table were getting on, just to check on Transylvanian, for example, the people are going, go back to Vanessa's table now. <laughs> they, they, they were not happy if we were abandoning you for 30 seconds. It's the Twitch people are my people. What are you going to do? <laughs> um, and of course, look, we know there is a huge issue with female representation in poker. We know it's still a heavily male-dominated game. And the sad fact is you are in a very, very small number of female players who've had massive scores, huge results like this. Do you think that the that this could change things, though? Do you think that a win like this, your story, your narrative can help grow the game and try and reduce, I'm not saying it's ever going to be 50-50 overnight, but reduce that gender disparity? It could. You never know. Um, you know, I don't feel like that's something 
I personally have control over, but like yeah. more how people react to it and like what they want to do with this spot. Basically, if you look at stuff like what's happened with chess and like, um, you know, Netflix series and stuff that was released recently and like that starting a really big movement for women in chess, there's like, I forget what this statistic was, but it's like, like up 300% or something for, for women in chess, or maybe it was just people getting into chess in general. Uh, There's no reason we can't have that in poker as well. And I think it'll be probably more than my lifetime before poker is ever 50, 50, if that is ever a thing to happen, but can we make gains? Like for sure. Yeah, Yeah, definitely. Well, look forward to seeing that. Vanessa, congratulations once again. And thank you for staying up late to talk to us. Really appreciate <laughs> it. Uh, awesome bet. stuff. It was an absolute joy. It was one of our the best final tables that we've covered yeah, in a very really long was. time. And obviously, we're very happy to see you close it out. Definitely my favorite final table of all time. <laughs> really? <laughs> Thanks again. Thank you so much. All right, so I do want to talk a little bit about this live tournament uh, I went to play, and I just want to uh, look. It's a little weird, right, to be getting back out there. Yeah, I mean, I think the first thing to say, Joe, is the situation in the USA right now is very different to the situation in Europe, and I think a lot of people on this side of the Atlantic listening to this are going to be like, "Whoa, there, there's there's live poker actually running somewhere in the world," and yeah, it seems in America it's happening everywhere. Um, but I was very interested that you took the decision to do this. Obviously, I think it's good that we are seeing live poker start to come back into the world. But I'm fascinated to know how this event was run and what protocols were in place. Because I imagine most people, including yourself, must be a little bit cautious and paranoid about this. Yeah, of course I was. And also, um, you know, th- I honestly, if I'm going to say it, like a big reason I went is because we've just had so little to talk about on the show um, other than online poker. And I just kind of wanted a story. Um, I wanted to be able to say, I went and played this thing. Here's what my experience was. Um, I'm not going to say whether I recommend it or not. I think it's up to the individual for, you know, what they feel comfortable with and and what sorts of precautions are being taken. I will say that. um, So Maria, how, you know, it doesn't have the exact same luxury that we do, right? As a, a person who's working from home, Maria can't play online poker. Uh, living in California and she kind of needs to get back to work. And she said, there's an $1,100 event at the commerce. Do you want to go play it? I'll take half your action. And I was like, well, I mean, that's an opportunity right there uh, to play an 1100. And she's like, look, I, th- I think you're a favorite against the field. I wouldn't offer unless I didn't think you were a good poker player. So I said, okay, sure. Why? Oh, I said, well, after I heard what the precautions were, um, which were, she was like, it's an outdoor tournament. Everyone is required to wear masks and there is plexiglass at every table um, blocking people. There's hand sanitizer all over the room. This uh, was going to be my question, right? Because I, yeah. the, the whole outdoors, masks, plexiglass, fine. But the whole thing with poker, and this is something that obviously everyone identified at the very start of the pandemic, is where everyone is handling the same chips and yeah. the same cards. It's the biggest Petri dish on the planet. So here, and, and that is that is completely true, and I wouldn't argue that point. What I would argue is that when you are wearing a mask, you don't touch your face as often. Um, and really, if these germs, whatever they are on your hands, if they don't get inside your body... No, of course. It's, it's, and that's, it's really... 
Yeah. And that's what you're saying about the, the hand sanitizer, right? As long as people are actively encouraged slash forced to use that at regular intervals, then that somewhat mitigates the risk. Well, Maria was like my mom. She kept giving me um, wet wipes every like every 20 minutes or so. And we would wipe down our area in front of us. Um, I would like to make a joke about I wasn't really touching very many chips, but I was because I actually ran pretty good at the start of this tournament. I was raking in pots fairly regularly. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Um, you were just complaining about the fact that you never run good in any poker game where there's actually a, a financial positive outcome for Joe Stapleton. I was, but I didn't want to I didn't want to get out of order here. So this actually happened the, the two nights before our um our our commentator game. Uh so yeah, in the first orbit, I think I had aces and kings and back to back hands and I've been so snake bit. This is one of the reasons why people talk about um how running bad really fucks your game up. I was so snake bit that I played my aces and kings hands so fast because I'm so used to getting them cracked in the tournaments I play in that I didn't get full value either time. Now, I'm not saying like I just won a pre-flop, but I think I won both of them on the flop after three betting pre-flops. So that's one area that we're going to work on in my game a little bit is trying to get a little bit more value out of aces and kings. And I actually do have big hands. Um, but I had a pretty good first couple of levels. There were 102 total entries in this event, uh, and they were paying 14. And as we get down to about 25, both me and Maria are still in. Um, our friend uh, Chris is also in. Chris ends up going out in a hand that looks just like the hand from the Sunday Million the other day, where he ends up making the nut flush in a three-way all-in, and someone else makes a straight flush. Oh. Um, which, I, like, at the time, I was like, dude, I've seen a lot of poker hands, and I that's really, really brutal. I'm sorry. And then it happened again just yesterday in the conclusion of the Sunday Million. Um. So net, we're, we're around 21 players left. I start getting short at this point. Haven't picked up a hand for a while. Uh, I get moved. I'm in the big blind. I get moved into the big blind um, and end up shoving um, shortly thereafter and uh, not getting called. And so then I get moved again right after that because we break. We break with like um, when it's uh, 18 players left. Right, we're down to the final two tables now, and I've got something like I've got 1.5 average, 1.5x average at this point. I'd found a double up. Now we have 18 left. I have 1.5x average, um, and I just want to talk about one hand for context, so we can explain why I played a certain hand the way I did. Just very quickly, so, Joe, remind me how yes. many get paid again? How close are we to the bubble? 14 get paid, right. and we have 18. 18 left. We're at the final two tables. Um, I see this hand go down between two guys with massive stacks. The blinds at this point are at uh, 2,000, 4,000. The blinds are going up crazy, by the way. This is a one-day event that started at 4 p.m. All right. Okay. okay. So this is like a, like a crazy – It's the levels are decent. I think they're 20-minute levels or whatever, maybe 30, but, um, but they're skipping levels, right? We went from 3-6 um, we – to 500,000. Uh, we went from 500,000, I think, to uh, 612, and then from 612 to 1,000, 2,000, right? Like, and then from 224, two, like huge jumps. So we're at 24, and I have about 140K, uh, which, is, which is about 1.5 average at this point, 1.5X average. 
there's two guys on my tables that 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 have about 180k and 200k. So they're like two of the big stacks in the tournament. Uh, one of them opens from the button. We get a call from the big blind. The flop comes down, king queen seven. The opener continues. The big blind check raises. The opener calls. The turn is a jack. The opener bets. The big blind calls. The river is an ace. And now the big blind leads for 20,000. Now there's something like 200,000 in the pot. And the big blind leads for 20,000. And the original razor tanks forever and finally calls. And the guy who led, the guy who check raised flop, the guy who uh, called turn and then led river showed ace five for a rivered pair of aces. Oh my God. It was the, and it was good. And it was <gasps> good, by the way. Wow. So I'm like, that might be the worst hand of poker I've ever seen played. And especially at this stage of the tournament, this is crazy. So, one or two hands later, I've got 140K. I'm in the big blind. The button, who is kind of a short stack, shoves for 40K. I call with ace queen. They have king jack. I flop a king. They start walking away from the table. Sorry, they, I flop a queen. They start walking away from the table. Turn is a king. They double through me. Now I go from 140K to 100K. Uh, and the big blind's now 5K, right? Or we're up to 6K now. Sorry. Um, so I'm I'm short. I go from having like a good stack to like kind of short now. Kind of in that 15 to 20 big blind range. Yeah, just horrible. Horrible spot to be in. The very next hand, here is the real hand, the big one for me. I have king 10 of diamonds. And the, the I'm so sorry to word it like this, but the idiot with ace five from the last hand raises uh, from the cutoff. It folds around to me. Just a min-raise. I have king-10 of diamonds. I got to see a flop here. I don't want to shove. I just want to see a flop. Uh, which, you know, we're, we're too close to the money. We're, we're, we're still at 18 players left. Flop comes uh, king-10-5, all clubs. Right. And I'm like, fantastic. Like, I'm just going to – I this is this is great. I've got this locked up. Uh, he checks, I bet, he raises, I call, turn is a queen, a red queen. I'm like, wow. I was going to say, there, there is a school of thought that when you bet flop and your opponent bets, that that isn't, or raises rather, that's the opportunity to get it in because you almost want to freeze the action, right? You don't want to see any more cards in case a fourth club hits. I do. I'm playing a little bit cautious. And again, I'm trying to like get max value out of my hands. Right. right. So I think either I, I either have a flush or I have him crushed. Um, and also I want to I I, I want to be able to get away if a club hits. Sure. But the queen of diamonds hits. I think this is a good card for me. Um, it goes check, check. And the river uh, is a blank. It's not a club. Um, and I, I, just, I have a I have a, a weird feeling. And I check, and he tanks for four minutes. With no aggressive action minutes. in front of him, tanks Correct. for four minutes. Tanks for four minutes, and f he's, like, he, he's like, he can't decide whether he wants to bet or not. And I've decided I'm snapping, right? Whatever, at this point, I'm snapping. 
He eventually checks back and shows Ace Jack for the turn Broadway. Oh, my God. Ace Jack, no club for turn Broadway. And now I have like eight big blinds left. <laughs> On a scale and of so, one to pissed off, how are you right now? I'm fucking livid. I am livid. All I'm thinking about is why did my ace queen hold and how the fuck does he turn a gut shot there after check raising me with a total air ball? And I'm I'm like raging and I'm, you know, texting Maria's left at this point. She's already out and she's like, hey, just calm down. Just play your game. She's like, look, you're on the bubble. You can still make it. You just got to you got to play smart. And I do manage to play smart. I do manage to to get like uh like a late position shove through. I get a walk in the big blind one hand, nice. which is huge considering it's a big blind anti-structure. Um, and finally, uh, you know, I'm down to like, I, I, I think I double up at one point when I have six big blinds. So I've got like 12 big blinds, which feels like a lot. I'm in middle position. The guy to my right who has about six big blinds shoves, doesn't look comfortable about it. I look down at Jack's. I reshove. Because I can't miss out on his chips, right? I don't want to bubble, but I don't want to miss out on his chips. Yeah. The guy to my left snaps me oh. so fucking fast. And I'm like, okay, maybe he has ace-king. He did not have ace-king. It was aces versus jacks versus fives. I go out in 17th place. Oh, three off the no, money. No, no, In an $1,100 tournament. And I just... And then the next night for my home games on Thursdays, I bubbled both of those two. Um, and so by the time we went into our home game on Friday, the commentator ch- showdown, I am seething with just why can't I ever run good in spots where it really, really matters. So Maria was like, look, I'm proud of you. You finished 17th at 102 in a, in a 1K. Like, that's no joke. You did great. Um, I, you know, obviously we didn't, I, I was like, should I have just folded the jacks on the bubble? She's like, I really don't think you can. No. Um, so, you know, you second guess yourself. So I'm just still in a spot where, um, I, I'm really glad to have won that money for charity, but just like a little bit of personal glory, which I got from that too, which you're right. I need to recognize that a little bit, but yeah, it was a fun experience. I did feel relatively safe there. Uh, the one thing I would say is that. What they call outdoors, be careful of this, people, by the way, when you hear this. What they call outdoors, it was a big tent with a roof and with walls. And I don't know how much outdoors that really is. Yeah. Um, if I'm going to be perfectly honest, right? Like, it seemed well ventilated and they had big, you know, HVAC units blowing air in and out of there. But I was like, yeah, it's a little, a little, a little kind of smoothing the edges over here calling this outdoors yeah i think that's fair look let's put a smile on your face joe seeing as you've had (laughs) some run bad in addition to your victory in the commentator showdown it is time to run a mock yes here we go again it's your opportunity to ask us one question ask me one question that's what running a mock is uh joe this week's question comes from john delano now he specifically directed this question at me but I think you should answer as well. So you can go first. What was the event in your life that sent you on the work path you're on today? And are you where you thought you'd be? Uh, I definitely am not where I thought I'd be, but I, I'm probably 
given all the eventualities of where I thought I would be in one of the better ones um, of all, you know, I'm better. I'm better than the the average of where I thought I would be. But the event that probably got me here uh, is, is a combination of two things. It's that my my best friend at the time got a job as an intern for Card Player Magazine in 2005, and he asked me if I would drive him to Las Vegas to drop him off for the summer. He didn't have a car but he didn't need one living and staying walking distance to the Rio. And I drove him there. And when I dropped him off, they said, do you know anyone else who can write? And he went, yeah, my friend over there can write. And I said, they said, do you want to be an intern for the summer too? And I drove home that night back to LA four hours and then back to Vegas the next morning and dropped everything for six weeks, had no plans to do this and decided I was going to intern at the World Series of Poker in 2005. And that's the event that led me to where I am today. It's interesting you can pinpoint one because, and this is not me trying to be obtuse in answering John's question, I can't think of a single event because everything that's happened through my life, through my previous career as a journalist, as I a broadcaster, I have one I would suggest for yours. Entertainment journalist, I guess, was it going to EPT Doville? Is that what you think yeah. was the, the turnaround? Yeah, of course. I guess Look, was, you can't but... discount everything else, but if you had it, what's the, that's like the really meaty part of it. Yeah, but there are so many things that happened along the way that led to that moment. <laughs> it's, 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 again, it's that butterfly effect of all the things that have happened in my life. I do think it's very hard to pinpoint a single thing. But in answer to the other question, are you where you thought you'd be? No one. No one would have thought several years ago that they could make a living talking yeah. about the game of poker. So absolutely not. Happy to be here. And but one it was day not. we hope to make that living. <laughs> it was never, ever part of the plan. Uh, so this has been Running Amok. Please keep those questions coming. Hashtag P-I-T-E. Thank you for your question. This is Superfan versus Stapes. Well, this week's Superfan most definitely qualifies for that moniker because I appreciate most of you can't see this, but Isaac Kiner has just arrived fully decked out as a star streamer with a blowout series backdrop. This is awesome. Looks like you're going to be bringing us some online poker. You've gone to more effort than anyone has ever gone on this podcast, and I include myself and Joe in that. <laughs> That's true. Thank you. Thank you. Isaac, I did not know. Congratulations till I got your dad's email moments ago. It's the one year anniversary of uh, anniversary of club quarantine. It is. It is. T I think today, right? Yeah. And honestly, if it weren't for club quarantine, it's definitely not one year of this is something I would not be celebrating. It, yeah, the club quarantine has been great for the last year, just kind of keeping me in contact with friends and family, meeting new people, um, having fun two to three times a week. It's been great. Well, Isaac, I know a little bit about you, but this is the time of the show where you get to tell everyone else a little bit about yourself. Namely, why you I'd, I'd start with why you have such a professional setup. <laughs> Yeah, uh, so I don't stream or anything like that. I have the nice microphone from some music. I do like uh, recording just as a hobby, you know, um, in my free time. And so as soon as quarantine started, I kind of recognized we were going to be doing it for a while. And I decided to really upgrade my Zoom just abilities. And so I got the podcast arm that's out of screen. Um, <laughs> this is this is a green screen um, behind me. You can kind of tell when I move around. So. Um, you know, I'm gearing up for something 
professional online. I don't know yeah. what it is. I haven't done it yet. So this is actually my uh, my introduction into the podcast world, and it, it feels appropriate. I love it. I mean, it, you absolutely look. If you'd said you've been doing this for years, if you said you were a streamer or that you had a weekly podcast, I would have bought it hook, line, and sinker. Uh, well, I, I think that's what I'm going for is just uh, confusing people and making them think I'm something I'm not. I mean, 2020 was years, let's be honest. Anything that you did during <laughs> the last 12 months is like two to three years of doing anything else. Isaac, uh, what, what sort of what sort of career have you had leading up to almost being a podcaster? Yeah, uh, so I, I do sales, marketing, purchasing. Um, my The company I work for, we sell high-end streaming video technology. Um, so a lot of what I do have here was kind of uh, picked up at work. And believe it or not, we've had a pretty good year with all the uh, upgrading. <laughs> I do believe it. has been going through. I can and you're like, guess what? It. I just made another sale to myself. <laughs> Thank you very much. So as someone who plays online poker against Joe Stapleton, can I just check that you are here of your own free will and that you uh, haven't been strong-armed by Joe into, come on my podcast, come on my podcast, please come on my podcast? Uh, it's it's the exact opposite. Uh, yes, I'm here of my free will for several months. I've been listening and I've been going, when's the time? What, what's the topic to choose? And uh, right. I, heard, I heard a few weeks ago, you guys put out a call. You said you needed more fans. And so I immediately tweeted you guys. Love it. And, here we are. And here we are about to ask and answer questions about the band Fish. Ugh. I actually had to check that this band was actually a real thing and not some <laughs> kind of parody from a movie like Jeeps, Spinal Tap. This is one of those things. It's like every once in a while you'll hear of something that has like this massive following that you've never heard of. And you're like, how have I never heard of this? Yeah. And then you hear the thing that it is and you go... This is the thing that has the massive following. And I try my best not to shit on fish because a lot of people who I really, really like, like fish a lot, but they're terrible. Like they're just, <laughs> it is, it is one of those things I will just never understand, but I do find it amusing and charming that so many people are so into it. Okay. Yeah, I don't so know. I don't know who I feel worse for today. Is it Joe or Patrick who put the questions together? <laughs> yeah, poor Patrick. I mean, I think some basic internet research may have gone into this, and maybe the questions might be kind of skimming the surface of the world right. of fish, but hey, oh, fish, we'll take sure. what we can get. Um, it is a multiple choice quiz with bonus questions available. Uh, Isaac, as our guest, as our super fan, you get to choose first. Please give me a number between one and 10. Number five. Number five. How many studio albums did Fish release in total? Multiple choice options are available should you wish to take them. Yeah, uh, just for time's sake, I'm going to take the multiple choice. Okay, 9, 12, 15, or 18? I'm going to go with... 12. It was actually 15. And that means that the bonus question that was attached to this automatically passes to Joseph you're, Stapleton. You're big trouble, I Joe, what year was their last album release? 2019. Also close, 2020. Ah, son of a... Uh, however, 
It's your chance to earn some points with your own question. You can have anything other than five. Oh, just give me question number one, and hopefully it's from the first line of the Wikipedia page, which I definitely read 15 minutes ago. Here we go. Wow, you know Patrick too well. Which U.S. state do the band Fish originate from? They are from Vermont. And that means you get two points, and there is a bonus for an extra point. More specifically, which city in the great state of Vermont? Burlington, Vermont. Correct for the bonus point. <laughs> and right, that's going to be it for me. <laughs> yeah. Three nothing after the first round. <laughs> okay, one and five have gone, Isaac. Any other number is up for grabs. We're going to take number seven. Always coming seven. What is Fish's most streamed song on Spotify? And to be clear, all their albums are available on Spotify. Oh, I think they. Oh. Have a I like to hear what you mind. think it is and then yeah. take the guesses if you have to, but at least I'm, you get the moral victory. Right. I'm pretty sure it's going to be bouncing around the room. Uh, oh, but I'm going to take the multiple choice because... Okay. Interestingly, that is not one of the options. So go. good job that you did take these four options. Is it Farmhouse, Waste, You Enjoy Myself, or Tweezer? So it's got to be Waste. It's Farmhouse. Oh, man. Farmhouse. Okay, Joe. I, okay, so I can name three fish songs. Yep. And none of them were on that. <laughs> <laughs> Bouncing around the room was one of them. God damn it. I hope there's a question about fear. Wolfman's brother. Here we go. <laughs> Just give me the next question. Uh, chronologically? Uh, numerically. Okay, so number two, basically, is what yeah. you want. Okay. What year was the band founded? 1983. Correct. You're... Wikipedia strategy is working out for you, and you're up five nothing. Would you like number three by any chance, Isaac? Yeah, I'm going to take the next one chronologically. Okay, here we go. <laughs> Which company produced the ice cream named Fish Food? That would be Ben and Jerry's. There for two go. points, there you go. That was a nice softball for you, like a soft ball of ice. Hey, yeah, something like that. Uh, question four, Joe. Yeah. What is the name of the band's lead vocalist? Trey Anastasio. For two points. Do you want to keep going or do you want to by the way, By the way, some of these I would have known without the... Like, I would have known Vermont. I would have known Trey. Um, the 1983, no. No shot if I hadn't done the Wikipedia class. <laughs> I'm pretty certain that, you know, you're running good in question selection right now. Yes, but I am. There's still time to turn this around, Isaac. You can have six, eight, nine, or ten. I'm going to flip it and reverse it. Number 10. Okay. Which character from a fish song was a man with a horrible disease? That would be Fluffhead. That is Fluffhead for two points. Joe, six, eight, or nine? I'm going to keep, I'm going to stick with what I've been doing. Number six, please. I'm going to, I'm going to Alex. What was the kid's name from Jeopardy, the poker player? Alex Jacobs? Yep. I'm going to Alex Jacobs this. What was the name of Fish's first studio album? I'll take the choices. Was it Hoist, Rift, Lawn Boy, or Junta? Let's go with Lawn Boy. Apparently it was Junta, but I was also allowed to accept Fish or the White Tape, which had their first songs on it, but was officially released later in 1998. Thank you for the stat, just booked. Patrick just booked 20 Fish shows for this summer <laughs> after doing this quiz. He's doing it. He's going on the road. Okay, your final question, Isaac, eight or nine? Uh, number eight, please. 
Finish the lyric from You Enjoy Myself. Wash you feezy, drive me to... Uh, the, it sounds like Forense. Yes, it is for two <laughs> points. That's the answer. I, I feel like I've stepped into a parallel universe. I've literally no idea what's going on right now. <laughs> and Joe, question number nine. Yeah. What is the name of the band's most played song live? It includes the lyrics, I saw you with a ticket stub in your hand. I'll take the choices. Is it Bathtub Gin, Golgi Apparatus, Fluffhead, or Fast Enough For You? Let's go with the Golgi Apparatus. Correct for a point. <laughs> yes. And by a margin of two points, Joe Stapleton, you are victorious. I'm not sure this was a game you actually wanted to win. I don't think you necessarily <laughs> wanted to prove that you know a lot about the band Fish, but you have. Um, Isaac, to be honest with you, being an American, we couldn't have given you a Sunday Million ticket anyway, so you're still going to get a nice piece of PokerStar swag. Awesome. And yeah. thank you very much for volunteering to come on the show, joining us today, and making Patrick's last weekend a misery. And you're going to get my play money chips, as always, considering <laughs> I haven't cashed in club quarantine since nearly its inception. So you're going to get those as well, week in and week out. Much appreciated. And the all-coveted club points. All right, my babies, we're almost out of time for this week's show. Coming up on next week's show, it's the Scoop Preview Show. They finally announced the dates for Scoop. By the way, I think I might have told one person what they were ahead of time, thinking that it no, had been announced. <laughs> they had been, Joe. The dates were announced okay. some time ago, and we already teased okay. those. Uh, the full <laughs> schedule, the 100 million guarantee, that was all announced this week. Okay, we didn't get into detail about it on this week's podcast, because as you just pointed out, the Spring Championship of Online Poker 2021 will receive a full preview. We will go over everything, including... By that point, our finalized live streaming schedule on next week's podcast. Who have we got to talk to? Yes, well, we are having a veritable online poker wizard. Finally, guys, we're going to talk to a real poker player. Not that we, you know, haven't talked to a real poker player in a long time, but sometimes we're a little fluffy. Next week, Mr. Andy Bowie Effect Wilson will be on the show. Get your super fan applications and your guest suggestions. Question for Andy Wilson, right? If you want to ask him a strat question, I will allow it. Yeah. And Andy's someone who we've seen at the tables in our coverage of other online series. I expect to see him make deep runs during Scoop as well. He's often in the chat on Twitch when we stream the Sunday Million as well. So looking forward to catching up with Andy next week. And as part of that, we will get into it. What's happening during Scoop 2021? What we're going to be showcasing on Twitch and YouTube during that three and a half weeks? It's a little bit weird because I it's so ingrained in my brain that Scoop is in May. And now it's in April for one year only. And it's like I'm all discombobulated. I'm going to be fine with it, guys. Don't worry. I'll, uh, I'll I'll make sure the ship sails the right direction. Uh, to get involved in any of that stuff, make sure you use the Twitter hashtag Poker in the Years. Like, comment, subscribe on all of the places you can find this podcast. And if you're looking for some super fan topics, I came up with a few. Okay. You can challenge me to the X-Men, the periodic table of the elements. Really? Have we done 
bowling already? We have done bowling. Bowling okay, has been bowling. done. Okay, not bowling. Hearthstone. Boring. The laws of physics. Somehow less boring than Hearthstone. God of War and or other video games that I might have played. I am happy to be challenged to any of those things. Use the hashtag poker in the ears. Joe, we changed it. It's P-I-T-E now. Sorry, Pite. Use the hashtag Pite. I meant this. I was just thinking, you're right. It's Pite. Use the hashtag P-I-T-E. But for now, that is all the time we have got for this week's show. For James Hardigan, I am Joe Stapleton. Smell you later.